Shabbat Shalom. How's everybody doing today? Doing great? Doing great? How's, uh, how's everybody's gardens and lawns? Are they starting to come back to life? Because I know they're without the rain there for a while. Everything was kind of drying up. Everybody was kind of getting the dust bowl going around. And uh, now the Lord has blessed us with about a week or so of, of constant rain. Um, if you did not have a river in your yard, God gave you some landscaping. And if you did not have a pool, he gave you a pool. Enjoy it because it's going to go away in like two or three days. But we are in the throes of the fall feast. So for some of you, it'll be Monday. Some of you, it'll be Tuesday. Some of you, it'll be Wednesday. Maybe Thursday, too. I, I, there's calendars popping up left and right all the time. So, But at HFF, uh, we do not keep a specific calendar. We don't... We don't believe that it's our place to kind of dictate to you what the Lord is telling you in your home. And so our thing is that we want you to keep the feast. So the feast of Yom Teruah, some celebrate Rosh Hashanah as well for that, is we're now on the throes of that time. One of the things that our community does is we like to partner with other Messianic Hebrew Roots uh, Sabbath-keeping congregations in the area. And so this Monday night in Jones, for those of you who are coming to Chandler, Jones is like the first stop on the turnpike up just north. So it's about 35, 40 minutes away. It uh, depends on how fast you drive. Um, and since we like to keep the law, uh, I'll say 40 minutes. Um, but uh, it's never 40 minutes for me. Right, Daniel? Right. Yep. And so that's because my speedometer's off a little bit. So pray for me. Uh, but uh, 6 p.m. on Monday night uh, in Jones, the uh, Grafted Church is going to be having a cookout. I think they're calling it Tacos and Teruah, I think. Something like that. Tacos in Teruah uh, on Monday night, 6 p.m. at the Thornborough's home. So in the bulletin, there's more information on that. Not going to give out their address online. But if you don't have any plans for Monday night, whether you're coming the conclusion of the feast or you're starting the feast, uh, something to share. Thornborough's house for a time of fellowship. All are welcome. It's a potluck. Just bring something to share. Uh, with you, with yourself or your family or whatever, but they're going to be hanging out outdoors. It's supposed to be beautiful weather for that uh, and having activities, probably impromptu worship and stuff like that, just to kind of celebrate the season that we're in. I um, want to remind everybody that we will not have services on the 22nd and 29th here. So next week is our last Shabbat service here. Uh, Dr. Deb Wiley is going to be our uh, guest speaker for next week. And then after that, we are in full uh, Feast of Tabernacles mode. So um, please, you know, mark your calendars. Don't show up here on the 22nd, the 29th. We won't be here. So um, if you don't have a place to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, please come see Ephraim, Daniel, or myself. Uh, we want you to be able to come and enjoy the time of Tabernacles uh, with us. And uh, we'll be keeping it out with Lion and Lamb Ministries in Chandler, Oklahoma. And so uh, we're, we're praying for a great time for that. I know there's others in the area, some, some the same size, some smaller, whatever. But we want you to be able to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Our goal is to uh, help you to be able to do that. So 
Um, want to also remind everybody that coming out of the Feast of Tabernacles, October 20th, uh, we'll be having the kickoff service in Dallas for HFF DFW uh, with Ed Harris taking over the satellite campus down there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A lot of us will be going down there to support him and to support that service. And so if you have a desire to go and to, uh, to be uh, part of that, let us know. Some of us are going to carpool. Um, some of us are carpool like the Mustin family, like they fill up a carpool right away, uh, my family as well. And so uh, if you'd like to go down and be a part of that service, uh, you can definitely do so as well as they'll also start streaming their services. And so they have services at 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it'll be on their Facebook page. And so uh, you can uh, listen to Pastor Ed and HFF DFW's uh, congregation as well on Saturday afternoons. Um, we got Oneg afterwards, so if you're new, uh, please stick around. I don't care if you brought food or not. You're our guest. Come and join us for some food. Join us for a time of fellowship. Get to know us a little bit better. Uh, we've got a youth meeting uh, September 13th. That's this coming week, I believe, at the Opal's house. And so you can see Mike or Melissa if you need directions on that. I believe, is this Luau week? This is Luau Week, so uh, you guys are going to get and get to have some serious fun while talking about the Lord. Um, I get to see some of the pictures and the videos and that. It looks like you guys are having a fantastic time with that. And so um, we're postponing the uh, small groups until after the Feast of Tabernacles. So all that information is here in the bulletin. Uh, please make sure to get that. We have an outreach coming up at Grace Living Center as well. But all that information is here in the bulletin. Please make sure to grab that. It will give you more information about all of the outreach we have have all of the activities that are coming up and how you can get plugged in for that. Um, today we've got uh, Rod Woodruff who's here leading worship for us and then uh, Ephraim and Daniel are going to bring be bringing the message as well. So before we get into a time of praise and worship, let's go ahead, stand up, find somebody that you haven't met before, uh, welcome them here, get to know them, let's say Shabbat Shalom to one another and we're going to go ahead and get started in a time of praise and worship.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to HFF. We're glad to be here. Uh, let's, uh, let's open with prayer. Father, thank you for this time to gather together with friends and family. Just keep all of our uh, loved ones safe, Father, as they travel, as they're home, or wherever they are. Just be with them this day, Father. We just thank you. We're so thankful, so grateful for what you've done in our lives. Let us just put our attention on you this day, this Sabbath, Father, this day. Let our attention be there. In Yeshua's name.
For your name is 
of David, hear my cry. Son of David, hear my cry. I cannot be silent. My Savior's walking by. So Wonderful is 
side of the road when he heard that Yeshua was coming by and he cried out son of David hear my cry each one of us has needs in our life we're no different than that blind man so this is our time this morning to come before him and to cry out to him and to share whatever need we have with him knowing that he will answer it so let me go over a few prayer requests with you, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Joe and Jennifer, who are some friends of the ministry here, who have come to Sukkot on a regular basis, have asked for prayer for their son. There are some needs there, and so we want to lift him up and, and pray for the family and especially for their son. Greg and Shannon have asked us to pray for their sons who are under attack right now. And, uh, and I'm sure that each one of us probably has friends or family members who uh, either don't know the Lord or are under attack because they do know the Lord. And so that we need to lift them up. Continue to pray for Patrice uh, and her knee, which it doesn't seem to be healing as it should. Uh, she's going to go see the doctor in a couple of weeks, and hopefully he will give her an okay. And then she's going to try to pass a physical so she can get back to work. So we need to be praying for Patrice and that uh, all those things will happen and that she can get back to work. And we want to praise God for Paul. Uh, he's finished with his injections, and uh, apparently he's doing well. He looks good. <laughs> so good to have you here this morning. So we continue to praise God for that. Continue to pray for Chad as he's still looking for a job. And uh, we've seen God provide jobs for people here, so we know that God can do that. So just continue to lift Chad up. We want to pray for those who are here visiting us this morning. Uh, we want to thank you for being here this morning, for uh, God leading you here. And it's our prayer for you that uh, our time here this morning with you will be one where you will meet with the Lord and he will bless you richly. 
So uh, we pray for you this morning that that will happen. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you pray. If you don't know what to pray for, pray for the person either on your left or your right. And you may not know who they are, but you can pray for their walk with the Lord, that they will be strengthened in that. The Lord will provide for their needs and will bless them richly. So let me give you a few minutes here to pray and then I'll close this. Father, we thank you for your love, for the grace that you have put on us and given us, for the loving kindness, for all the blessings that you give us, many of which we take for granted. We thank you for that. Thank you that you love us so much that you gave of yourself that we might be free. Thank you that you have heard the prayers this morning, the cry of each person here with their need, and that you will answer that cry as only you can. We pray for Ephraim as he comes this morning and teaches the first five, and for Daniel as he comes and gives the message, and ask that your spirit may embolden them, give them the words to say, open our hearts that we might understand that me- the messages, that we might hear the words, and that we might obey whatever it is that you have called us to do this morning. We pray for those who are here early to set up for Sukkot. We pray that you will keep them safe as they work to set everything up in the next two weeks in preparation for the Feast of Tabernacles. We thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you for Rod and leading us in worship of you, for you truly are worthy of our worship. And only you are worthy of our worship. So we commit the rest of this morning to you. And we ask that all that we do here this morning might be pleasing to you. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen. If I can have all the children come up. Each and every week we get to see the amazing blessing and the fruitfulness of our congregation sitting up here on the stage. And every week we like to put them under the covering, put them in the shadow of the wings of the Lord, and pray for His protection over them. So let us lift them up this Sabbath day. Father, we thank You, Lord, for each and every one of these children that are before us. We thank You for the unmerited favor and the blessing that they are to our families and also to this congregation. Father, may we, the adults, the uh, elders, the parents, anyone who has an opportunity to interact with these young ones, Father, may we learn from them, Lord. May we learn to have faith in you, our Heavenly Father, just as they have faith 
in their parents, Lord. And when there is a time of stress or danger, just as they cling to the pant leg of their mom and or father, Father, I pray that we turn to you in the same way, that we cling to you for all of our needs and protection in all things that we encounter. Father, I thank you for the wonderful blessings that these children are. Father, I pray that you would bless the sons, make them to be as Ephraim and Manasseh, make them fruitful and multiply, cause them to grow and learn to be leaders, humble leaders, kind leaders, Lord, to their own families and maybe even future congregations. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the daughters. May you be as Ruth and as Esther. Make them righteous daughters of Zion. May the words of uh, your mitzvot, your commandments, and kindness always be upon their lips and cause them to grow, Lord, to be great leaders as well, leaders within their families. Father, we thank you, Lord, for these children. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that they are to us. Father, we pray that you pour out your very best blessing upon them. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. We thank you, Lord, for them. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Our Torah portion this week is entitled Nitzavim, which is literally one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Our Torah portion is Deuteronomy chapter 29. It begins at verse 10 and continues on through Deuteronomy chapter 30. The entire book of Deuteronomy is the words of Moses, is a book that Moses wrote down, and then he's speaking to the sons of Israel, the children of Israel, at Abel Shatim on the east side of the Jordan River before they go into the Promised Land. And much of the book of Deuteronomy says, these are the words of Moses. Moses spoke these words. These are the commandments that Moses said to the children of Israel. Chapter 29 of Deuteronomy changes. There's a shift at the beginning of chapter 29 where it says this, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant that he made with them at Horeb. This is another covenant that he is making with the children of Israel just like the one he made at Mount Sinai when he spoke from the mountain. These words have power. And the same voice that spoke the world into existence spoke these words and made a covenant. And with God, time is not an obstacle for God. And these words that are here in these two chapters resonate throughout time and exist and blast through the space-time continuum and exist even as powerful then, today, as they did back then. They exist outside of time. Now, he does speak to those people. Our portion begins at verse 10, and Nitzavim is called standing. And he says, I make this covenant with you that are standing here today, all the children of Israel, your wives, your little ones, your servants, your one who cuts your wood and gathers your water. Yes, I'm making this covenant with you. But at verse 14, he says this, I make this covenant and this oath, not with you alone, but with him who stands with us today and with him who is not standing with us today. That means you and me. Because we weren't standing there that day. Everybody else that was alive in the world during that time wasn't standing there today. The covenant was made with them as well. It exists outside of time and it is as applicable as applicable today for us in the modern day as it was back then. So what is this amazing covenant that God makes with us? He says for us to follow his commandments. And there's some curses here if we don't follow his, his commandments. 
And those aren't very good. But it does speak all the way, if you go all the way to Deuteronomy then to chapter 30, where it says it'll come to pass after all of these things, after all of these curses happen to the children of Israel. And believe you me, they did. They were scattered into the nations, and the promised land was a wasteland filled with fire and brimstone. Nobody would want to live there. He then says this, beginning at chapter 30, and it will come to pass when all of these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I swore before you, and call to them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you, and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord has scattered you, if any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from, the, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. That's us. Scattered to the farthest ends of the earth. The promised land, we know where that was. Modern day Israel, Jordan River, Mediterranean, Egypt, we know where that is today. We're on the other side of the globe right here where we're sitting right now. You can't be scattered any farther away from the promised land as we are now. Go to the east or to the west and you'll get a little bit closer either way. It's as far away as you can go. And from there, God will gather us back if we return. If we return to the covenant. If we confess the iniquities of our forefathers, then he will gather us. Sounds good to me. All we got to do is keep the covenant that our fathers, they, they kept it sometimes and they received some blessings, but they also failed to keep it sometimes and they received the curses. But if we return, make teshuvah, repent of the sins that we've committed, then there is a promise of a covenant. The same God that spoke the world into existence spoke these words and says, I will bring you back. I will bring you out of that captivity and bring it back. And all you have to do is confess your love in him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And then he says this at verse 11 of chapter 30. He says, this commandment that I'm giving you, this thing that I'm saying to you, it is not too mysterious. It's not too hard. It's not so far up in heaven that you'll say, oh, how are we? It's way up there. How are we going to get it back? Or it's not across the sea that someone has to cross the sea, retrieve it, and bring it back to you. It's not so far that you have to do that. It is right here in front of you. The words of the covenant are right before your face. Now, to say that back in ancient times when no one had traversed the globe yet, nobody had invented flight yet. Something that was way up in the heavens or the skies, that was too far for them. It was an impossible feat in, as far as they could comprehend. Or that they had ships that could make a journey that was all the way across the sea. That was impossible to them. I'm going to say something interesting. I don't believe right here in our modern day, however, is obsolete. Because we live in a world where if something's up in the sky and we, we don't look at it and wonder and say, well, how do, we, how do we get up there? We have airplanes flying overhead all the time. And we have people that have traversed the globe. I have a card in my wallet if I really wanted to and wanted to go into debt. I could be on the other side of the world in about mm, 36 hours if I wanted to. That's not hard to accomplish these days. That idea that those things were so impossible is completely obsolete today. 
So then how much easier should it be for us today to then find the words to say and to confess that we believe in the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It should be embarrassing for us that we don't do it and we don't say those words, that we have a copy of the scripture that we can go and buy pretty much almost in any store, and you got a device in your pocket and you can pull the words up at any point in time that you want, and you can read these words, you can read what God said he would do for you, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to speak back to the God and are you going to return back to him? Are you going to return the favor of all the blessings and the things that he has said to us that he would do for us? Are we going to then confess our love to him? It's not hard. And then he finishes up and see, see, I set this before you today. It's very simple, very simple choice. I set before you blessing and I set before you curse. Life, blessing, death, and a curse. Choose. Choose today. Now he makes a recommendation, choose life. But we have a choice. Choose life. Choose him. Choose the covenant and the things that he has done for us. And he says this again, We've said, this is said several times in Deuteronomy, and it's here, verse 19 of chapter 30, it says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I set before you life and death. Heaven and earth is the best witness you could possibly call. Why? Because it's still here. It's kind of hard to call a witness to a court case if the witness has passed away. But heaven and earth are still here. Let me elaborate on that a little bit here. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 33. And the Lord says to Jeremiah here in these words, and he says this at verse 19, he says, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in their season, then my covenant may also be broken with David my servant so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne. And with the Levites, the priests, my ministers, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea be measured, so will I multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, Have you not considered what these people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord has chosen, he shall also cast them off. Thus they have despised my people, and if they're... If they should no more be a nation before me, thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then I will cast away my, the descendants of Jacob and David my servant, so that they will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captives to return, and I will have mercy on them today." Let me ask you a question. Did the sun rise today? Is it going to set tonight? Same thing going to happen tomorrow? The ordinances of heaven and earth and God's covenant with day and night are still applicable today. So is his covenant with the children of Israel, with David, and with all the sons and descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His covenant stands today. Don't let anybody 
tell you that a covenant that he made with those people doesn't exist anymore. That, oh, they broke the covenant and they cast him off and now he doesn't work with them anymore. I don't think so. That's not the Bible I read. Sun rose today, sun will set, the night will come. And so does the love of God for the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His covenant with Israel, still applicable today, heaven and earth is our witness. So, once again, I set before you a choice. Life, blessing, death, and curse. Choose. That's the covenant that God commanded us to do. Make a choice in your heart and decide who do you believe in, who is your God, and whose covenant do you keep. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the blessings of the Sabbath day, of this place, this fellowship, this time together, Lord. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for this fellowship, for each person here. Lord, I'm so happy to see their faces each and every week. And Father, I pray a special blessing upon them. I pray this service blesses them and that you would continue to minister to them in their hearts and in their homes each and every week. Also to those that are not here today, Lord, those that might be watching over the internet, and for all of those that may confess a belief in you, our Heavenly Father, pour out a blessing upon them this Sabbath day. Encourage them and strengthen them in their faith. Make your will known in their lives, Lord. Open doors that need to be opened, close doors that need to be closed, and Father, pour out a blessing upon your people. We love you, bless you, and thank you on the Sabbath day. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. So uh, before I get started here, I wanted to make sure everyone was aware that, uh, in case you weren't here for announcement time, there is a uh, family uh, fun day that's taking place tomorrow at uh, Little River Park. And if you look in the bulletins, you'll see some information about it. Um, there's some absolutely gorgeous woman who's not here today that you're supposed to contact. Uh, that happens to be my wife. Um, and uh, so her phone number is here, but it's taking place at 11 o'clock tomorrow. It's at a park and more and um, bring a, a picnic lunch to share. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So I had to make sure that I made reference to that so everyone was aware. So now my wife can stop texting me. All right. So uh, now, this week, uh, obviously, the, the readings, as Ephraim discussed, is this uh, parasha Nitzavim, and it takes place in uh, Deuteronomy chapters 29 and 30. And there's something that's very interesting that is, uh, is said here, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. It says here, Adonai, your Elohim, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants, to love Adonai your Elohim with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. Now, there's some very interesting phrases that are in there in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 16. These are very specific phrases, and they occur several times in Scripture, but they're in specific circumstances, okay? So we see this, this phrase, circumcise your heart, um, how does one do that exactly? Cut open your chest and take a knife and slice a piece off your heart? Is that how that works? Clearly, that's not what he's intending. So we talked several weeks ago in Parasha Ekev about um, this same phrase that occurred in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, 
where we're instructed, so circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. And we talked about how in Deuteronomy 10.16, Moshe compares an uncircumcised heart with a stiff neck. A stiff neck is a biblical idiom that refers to pride and stubbornness and an unwillingness to bend one's will specifically to his. A person with a stiff neck is not flexible. They're not willing to compromise, not willing to adjust. That person does not conform to Adonai's will and to his instruction. So when we see this instruction about circumcising your heart, it's talking about putting yourself in a position where your, your neck is not stiff, but instead you are willing to conform to his will. So this is the reference. Now, the difference between the reference in chapter 10 and the reference in chapter 30 is pretty stark because in chapter 10, it simply says, uh, circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. But 30 follows it up with something else. The difference between chapter 10 and chapter 30 is what follows the instruction to circumcise your heart, specifically to love Adonai your Elohim with all of your heart and all of your soul so that you may live. Now, does this phrase sound familiar? With all of your heart and with all of your soul, right? That, that should ring some bells for us. Well, it occurs many times in Scripture, actually. However, primarily within the context of these very same words put together in a phrase, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. Speaking of, as Ephraim talked about, Ephraim talked about us being you know, scattered to the farthest parts of the earth. Well, that's what Deuteronomy chapter 4 is talking about. When you find yourself there in that farthest part of the earth, someplace called Oklahoma, um, it says, but from there you will seek Adonai your Elohim and you will find him when? If you search for him with all of your heart and all of your soul. If you search for him with all of your heart and all of your soul, you will find him. Then, two chapters later, we come to where we all know this phrase from. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, Adonai is our Elohim. Adonai is one. You shall achav, you shall love Adonai your Elohim with all of your heart, kol lev, and with all of your soul, kol nefesh, and with all of your might. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 adds some extra Gumption, Ephraim, uh, to, the, <laughs> to the circumstance here. So then we see four chapters later, Deuteronomy 10. There's a theme that's being carried on here. Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 and 13, it says, Now, Yisrael, what does Adonai your Elohim require from you? But to fear Adonai your Elohim, to walk in all of his ways, and love him, and to serve Adonai your Elohim how? With all of your heart and with all of your soul. And to keep Adonai's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. 
if we recall, when we looked in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 16, it said, if we circumcise our hearts and love him with all of our heart and all of our might, our, our soul, then it will be life to us. And here it says, it will be for our good. Now, when we come back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, to repeat, to love Adonai your Elohim with all of your heart and all of your soul. This is not something that's flippantly done. This is not something that's an ethereal concept. This is not something that's done with an acquiescence of, I believe. This is something that affects every aspect of your life. Because if it's with all of your heart and all of your soul, then it's what you are obsessed with. How many of us are obsessed with the things of the kingdom? Most of us, unfortunately, are obsessed with lots of things. I confess, I am obsessed with several things that are not kingdom-minded. Am I loving him with all my heart and my soul? There's times when I cannot make that confession, honestly. Here's the thing, nothing that you do in life will matter. None of it will make any difference. Nothing you pursue will make the world a better place unless what you are doing is about loving him and loving the people that he created. Everything else is worthless. This is why Yeshua responds the way he does when challenged by the lawyer as to what the greatest commandment is. His response, he quotes from the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And, lest you think that's all there is, there's another commandment that's very similar to it. It goes with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I can handle the first one. I don't want to love those people. They're not like me. They don't agree with me. They don't see the things the way I see it. Oh, so I'm within my rights then not to love them? Mm. Not if we are following in the ways of our master because he says we're supposed to love them. So let me ask you a question. How would your life be different if you all of a sudden stopped believing in Adonai? If all of a sudden you decided to become an atheist, how would your life change? Would it stay the same? Would you have the same patterns and routines? Would your life look unchanged from an outsider's perspective if all of a sudden you turned away from the Lord? Would there be any real change in the way that you conduct yourself if you suddenly decided there was no creator? You see, when it happens the other way, there's supposed to be a life change. When we walk away from the world and we come into the Father, 
and we have a salvation experience, our lives are supposed to transform in such a way that everyone knows and everyone can see that person's different. What happens if it's the other way around? Have we become so undifferent in our walk that if we left the faith, an outsider wouldn't notice? Perhaps you would insist in answering that question that the life that you lead is different than the way atheists would conduct themselves. Well, allow me to ask a follow-up question then. What are you doing right now that requires faith? What part of your life requires a true faith? Or is everything that we're doing in our lives in our own strength? Are we living for the moment? Are we living for something far greater? Week at work and to the Creator so that we could put in 40 hours a week at work and collect a paycheck? Is that our life's purpose? Now, we need to pay our bills. But is that where we're supposed to be thriving? Is in how we pay our bills? Are we supposed to be thriving in another area completely different than that? So, is our passion how we identify our self-worth wrapped up in what we do for a living? Or instead, were we formed and fashioned by the hand of a loving Father and placed at this very moment in time in order to perform specific good works, things that Adonai planned for us to accomplish for His name long before we even existed? He looked into the future and saw you at this time, and said, I have anointed my child to be working for my kingdom. Now, when we read the book of Esther, we find out about a woman who really was willing to sacrifice everything for her people. She sacrificed her own life by approaching the king without permission. And she wasn't doing this. She wasn't sacrificed everything because Nike gave her a big contract to do so. So the question I have about Esther's life, are we living like Esther? Are we willing to risk our lives for others? Because that's what she did. Or instead of that, are we merely comparing our lives to the lives of others around us and then complaining about what we've been given? We often claim things like, I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. And trust in Adonai with all your heart. These are things that that would commonly come out of our mouths, right? But then we live and plan our lives in such a way that displays and communicates to those who are watching us that we don't even believe he exists. So is our walk matching our talk? 
our greatest fear as individuals and as a body of believers shouldn't be a failure. Our greatest fear instead should be that we will be great successes at things in life that don't have any type of positive impact or eternal meaning. Succeeding at things that just don't matter isn't success. So the question for us, what are we spending our time on? What are we investing our energy in? And is it kingdom-minded? The idea of being average certainly doesn't come from Scripture. The Word teaches us that we should be consumed with Adonai and that we should be faithfully living out His instructions. And that's what this week's readings was about. Consider the example of Hosea, the prophet Hosea. He was asked to experience the same heart-rending, gut-turning emotions Adonai feels when his people, we, are unfaithful to him. So, what if Adonai were to ask you to spend all your time and energy loving someone who will never return that love to you? What if he were to ask you to help those who will never display any type of gratitude for your efforts in helping them? Would you still do so with a thankful heart? Would you still do so motivated out of love? Would you still be obedient to him if this was what he wanted you to do? And further, for how long? Paul admonishes the church at Corinth to constantly evaluate themselves. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Wait, these are believers. These are people that he's visited several times, written another letter to. A letter, by the way, which talks about the definition of what love is. And now he's writing another letter and he says, Test yourselves to see if you're actually in the faith. I'm a believer? What are you talking about? Examine yourselves, he says. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Yeshua HaMashiach is in you, unless indeed you fail that test? Now, one of my uh, mentors, uh, one of the phrases that he likes to use that has um, taken root in my life, anything that's not being evaluated is dying. Okay, which is like the phrase that we've probably all heard, if you're not moving forward, you're sliding backwards. Anything that's not being evaluated is dying. This is exactly what Paul is communicating here to the church at Corinth. Evaluate yourself. Examine yourself. Test to see that you're in the faith because Yeshua is in you. And if Yeshua is in you, you should be walking like Yeshua did. And that doesn't just mean rotely following instructions. Because we can accomplish that. The Jews in the first century were doing that. And yet, you three Pharisees? So are we first century Pharisees? Or are we doing something out of a heart of love? And this becomes our motivation for following him. We have a tendency within this movement 
we tend to adopt the mindset that because we have, become, we have come to the conclusion that the Torah still applies to our lives, that we have somehow arrived. We often behave as if we have nothing else to learn. Instead, we assume that it's now our job to tell everyone who has ears that we know everything there is to know about anything that's biblical. What are we living for? To impress others with our knowledge of the Bible? Or to be his faithful servants? Loving him with all that we have, all of our heart, all of our soul, and loving others as ourselves. Which one are we doing? Though our flesh causes us to tend to lean towards the trivial, meaningless things of this world, yet there is hope. As we return to Deuteronomy chapter 30, as Ephraim already made reference, Moshe reminds us, with words of encouragement, that although the righteous path may appear to be very difficult to follow, yet the Father has provided a way for us. Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 16. For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you. Nor is it out of reach. It's not in the heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it and make us hear it that we may observe it. But the word is very near you. Get this. In your mouth and in your heart. That same heart that we're told to circumcise. That same heart that is supposed to be holy for him. It's in your mouth and in your heart that you may observe it. See, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. You see, we're all in the same position as Adam. We all have a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we're all daily making the same decision that Adam already made. Because he's placed before us life and prosperity in the tree of life. And death and adversity in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity in that I command you today to love Adonai your Elohim, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that Adonai your Elohim may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. Now the beauty of learning to subject our flesh to his will and to humble ourselves unto obedience to his instructions is that, as the Master Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now here's the thing. The instructions that we have in the Torah, my challenge to that has always been, show me the one I can't keep. Now, I'm not a priest. I'm not a Levite. I'm not a woman. There's no altar. Uh, there's no operating altar right now. So there's numerous scriptures, numerous instructions that either don't directly apply to me because I don't qualify or that cannot be fulfilled because of physical reasons. 
but turn to all the other instructions and show me which ones are too difficult for me. And yet, we still struggle. Although, the master told us, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we're told here by Moshe in chapter 30, it's not too difficult for you. Try it in your mouth and on your heart. If we are obedient to his instructions, not because we have to do so, but because we love him with all our heart and all our soul, then being obedient to him is easy and it's not burdensome. If, however, we're attempting to obey him, not out of an expression of love, but instead see it as a list of do's and don'ts, or to do so out of a sense of requirement only, then we'll miss the entire reason for bringing ourselves into submission to his word. And this was exactly what Yeshua was addressing with the Pharisees in the first century. The next few verses attest to this. If we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, the next two verses, 17 and 18, say this, but if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. The Father warns us here that if our hearts aren't into our obedience, if we're keeping the Torah for some other reason than for love for Him and love for others, that we will always find ourselves living a life where we're on the wrong side of the river, forever destined to be able to see the land of promise, but lacking the freedom to take possession of it. Who wants to possess the land that he's promised to us? He's given us the formula for doing so. Love him with all your heart and all your soul. And this is directly expressed in what we're doing with our time, our energy, and how we're loving others. Honestly, we really follow Judaism really well in tackling the first one and forgetting the second one. We often criticize the church, but they're pretty darn good at the second one, I got to tell you. The good news is that he's given us the ability to choose, and he even gives us the formula for success. In the next two verses, verses 19 and 20, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life! Can you imagine Moshe standing there, his last final address to the people before they cross into the land that he can only view with his eyes and not actually go into? And he says, choose life! Choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. How? By loving Adonai, your Elohim, by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which Adonai swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So the question we must face today and ask of ourselves, are we circumcising our hearts? Are we truly submitting our wills to His? Are we serving Him out of our love for Him? Or are we approaching our walk of faith as a list of do's and don'ts?
Let's be diligent to cast off our fleshly desires and to cling to the lover of our souls and submit to his, his will wholly and completely. Now, many of you, of course, know that we're going to finish up here with an oneg. And many of you know that I typically don't do a lot of sitting during oneg. I, in fact, don't do a whole lot of interaction during oneg either. And it's not because I don't want to sit and talk with you. It's because I'm a very task-oriented person. And I see tasks that need to be done. And the thing is that this is part of, because of who I am and the way that I am wired, part of my doing tasks is my expression of loving you. That is part of the way that I am able to fulfill these commandments is to love others as myself is because I'm task-oriented and I want to serve you. Now, here's the thing. I confess that there are times when I end up performing those tasks out of my own strength. And when I do so, I can become very negative and complain. And then I have to check myself because if I am performing those tasks with the right heart, then I have nothing to complain about because it's my pleasure to serve you. But there's times when I have not done so with the right motivation. And perhaps some of you can identify with that. Perhaps some of you can identify with some of the things that have been said today. And perhaps some of you know that there's been times, and maybe even right now, in your walk of faith, where you found yourself just following a list of do's and don'ts. And it hasn't come from your heart. And your faith hasn't been from love. From a, a place of being wholly dedicated to Him. I'm going to ask Ephraim and Chris to come up. And I'm also going to ask those of you that are here. If you have found yourself in that place... We're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to ask that you would come. And if you have, are able to in any way identify with the struggle of having lost that love and just performing tasks or following a list of instructions because that's what we're supposed to do, but that you've lost that passion to do so with your whole heart, with all of your strength. Because your motivation has been distracted by the things that we're surrounded with on a daily basis. If you find yourself in that position, I'd like to invite you to come down here because we face the same struggles. And we'd like to be an encouragement to you and we'd like for you to be an encouragement to us. So we're going to open up this time to a time of prayer.
Thank you to everybody joining us here for our service this week. Now, if we'd all rise, please, and let us receive a blessing. And the Lord spoke to Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Yisrael. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom. Please join us for Onig and Shabbat Shalom.